Welcome to It's Karmic. I'm your host, Mika Bradford. This is a sacred space to connect with karma and past lives through astrology, energy work, and intuition. Hello, my loves. Welcome to the It's Karmic podcast. This week's episode, the timing is quite serendipitous. As per usual, everything is always just aligning when you work in the world of magic and astrology and, you know, the cosmic rhythms. I've learned to really trust every single moment as a divinely guided moment. And this week is no different as the conversation on this week's podcast is all about the future of mental health. And if you are here in Canada, you may know that Canada has just put through a lot of crazy laws here, um, including assisted suicide. Now, this is such a touchy subject which is so nuanced. And let me state, you know, I'm totally for assisted suicide in certain situations, but I am not for assisted suicide in teens and minors. And if you know anything about this subject happening here in Canada, they have passed it for what they are calling um, mature minors. And in my humble opinion, I'm pretty friggin' passionate about this subject. If you know my story, there's no such thing as a mature minor. Your brain is not fully formed until you're 25. I'm pretty sure we talk about that in the episode today. And as a person who has survived suicidal thoughts and severe depression at a very young age, from the age of around 12 to 20, I am severely against minors having the ability to remove themselves from this world, okay? And this is a really close subject to my heart because when I was 16 and suicidal, this was a choice I would have made irrationally, emotionally, and with no objective in understanding that life gets better. And let me preface this with, It wasn't that I truly wanted to not be in this world. It was that I wanted to heal. I wanted to no longer feel the pain I felt. And in my young mind of 16 years old, I thought the only way out was to not be here. Now, obviously things have radically changed. I woke up when I was 21, 22, you know, when Pisces moved into Neptune, I had my, my awakening, And I began to see life as a beautiful gift and ride. And I will happily say I am one of the most joy-filled people I know. And I honestly imagine on this planet, I'm so thankful for being here on earth. And so this subject is super important to me. It's super, super potent and just lined up perfectly as the conversation that is coming out this week is about the future of mental health and how the system has failed us. And you know I'm here to radically shift things, radically shake cages, do these Uranus things, you know, break the friggin' matrix. So today we're going to do that. We're going to talk about that in this conversation with a beautiful soul. Her name is Quinn Downey. You're going to meet her and she is all about mental health, psychology, and, you know, energy and working through this with people. So I'm so excited to bring you this conversation because we talk about some really good, delicious things. And I think it's going to be super grounding for anyone listening that has struggled with mental health in the past or is currently still going through mental health issues. So I hope you love this episode. If it triggers you, I'm sending you lots of love. I understand that, you know, not everyone has the same feelings on these topics, but these are mine and these are Quinn's and that's going to be okay today. So letting go of any righteous thoughts, any rigid dogmatic belief systems during this beautiful Sag season and being open to unlimited possibilities. Hello and welcome to the It's Karmic podcast with me, your host, Pika Bradford. This week, I have a juicy, juicy conversation to bring to you with someone I've been connected with for quite a while. And 
we're going to go down the rabbit hole of, oh my goodness, mental health, of man psychology, all the good things. Astrology is going to come in for sure. We know all the good things are just going to get poured in. So welcome Quinn Downey of Live Your Intuition. Hi, thank you so much, Vika. Um, so I am a mental health coach for female entrepreneurs and I started my business five years ago at the end of finishing my master's degree in counseling psychology, because originally I wanted to be a therapist. So after eight years of studying and doing all the work to get the qualifications together, it was now time for me to do an internship to learn how to administer psychotherapy. And I did, but I also encountered so many systemic issues within our mental health care industry. And these issues got so bad that I couldn't even finish the remaining hours I had left for my degree. And I tried to push through and bumped into more systemic issues and tried to push through and bumped into more systemic issues. And eventually it, it hit me that I'm not going to be able to finish this internship. I have to either give up and fall into my prescribed role in society, probably be like the housekeeper wife type of thing. But that wasn't what I wanted out of my life. The one thing I have dreamt of since being young is career more than motherhood. I think motherhood's beautiful and, you know, the domestic care caretaking side of things, there is a beauty there, but that's not where I feel my potential is. And so I realized if I give up, I'm saying goodbye to career, you know, there's student debt involved. There's no starting over. Like this is the end. Or I can claim my own seat at the table and become an entrepreneur. And I never thought I would see the day where I would be an entrepreneur, but I realized that this was going to be my way of creating my own path. And so I started my business. I dropped out of the internship, decided to cut my losses, take what I had learned from the hours I did do and the training I did do and start my own business as a life and business coach for women. And the reason why I wanted to work with entrepreneurial women specifically was because A, I am one, so I understand what they're going through. But the other reason was because I was seeing how the glass ceiling, the one that I literally hit, is more than just something outside of us. It's also something we internalize within us psychologically. And at this point, because of how many generations of women have been living in the world that we're in, it's right down into our DNA. And so I realized I could bring what I learned about psychology and I could bring my intuitive, empathetic abilities as a healer and support women to overcome those internalized, that internalized glass ceiling, the internalized conditioning of the glass ceiling and be able to build their business from their intuition, not from, you know, a structure that some business guy tells them is going to make them rich. I wanted to focus first on their intuition and their mental health, them essentially, and draw out their way of doing business by helping them to be familiar with how their intuition speaks in their body and then how to convert those intuitive ideas that come authentically and organically from within them into strategic business action. And that's how I started my business. Mm, I love it. So when you, you started all of this, okay. So you're in, let's, let's backtrack a bit. You're in school, you're studying psychology. Your goal was to be like a psychologist. Yes. And a therapist. And you're seeing all this stuff just like unaligned in the system. What was like the, the biggest things you were seeing that were misaligned? What were those big systemic issues you were witnessing happening? So the biggest one for me was seeing how there's this huge emphasis on being a licensed psychologist. You got to get that license. And I took that very seriously because the principle behind it is that this is protecting clients from adverse therapists. It keeps things accountable. So I didn't see anything wrong with the idea of working toward my license. But then when I started working under therapists, I saw what these licensed therapists were doing to their clients behind their clients' backs. So during the session, they would be one way. And then behind their backs, they would start talking about their clients like they were animals, like they were crazy. And um, one woman was even sleeping with her clients and did get caught, lost her license, of course. But she was licensed for 20 years, having these inappropriate relationships with clients. And a lot of times, the therapists that I with the ones that I was working under, the supervisors that were training me, they were very much intrigued 
by their clients, but not really concerned about how to help their clients to grow beyond where they were stuck. So it was a lot of let's keep them coming for more and more sessions, but I wasn't seeing how the therapy was going to actually help these women because a lot of the clients are actually all of them, pretty much all of them were women. Um, there was really no um, progress. It was a lot of just talking and talking and talking about the past and rehashing the details. And then when I was practicing with my, um, with my clients, I would keep, my instinct was more of the life coach instinct. You know, I would listen and I would talk with them about these things, but then it was like, okay, what can we do to help you to move from here to the next step in your growth? And every time I did that, I was being told that I was doing something wrong. Hmm. I was being told that I should be only asking open-ended questions and that's it, that I should not be giving anything that looks like advice, anything that can be even slightly construed as advice. And it wasn't like I was giving this firm advice where I'm like, do this and do that. It wasn't like that. It was, I was trying to draw out their solutions, but that was the, that was a problem according to my training was how solution oriented I was. And that I was being told, honestly, that my job is I'm not the sage on the stage. I'm the guide on the side. I kept being told that constantly, like you're supposed to just be listening and asking questions and that's it. But at the end of the day, if this person knew how to get themselves out of the dark place where they are, they wouldn't need me. And so I felt this, just this incongruency between what I feel, because I'm a woman who is heavily impacted by mental illness. I have severe treatment resistant depression and PTSD, and I know what I need in order to grow. So I know what's not working. I, even if it's evidence-based, like I can tell when something is not working because I'm that person who's mentally ill too, as well as being the person with the credentials to help heal. So be, having, having that view of both sides of the fence made me less agreeable to the way things are. And I could see things and see problems where other people weren't seeing problems. So I, I guess at the end of the internship, beyond just the fact that I couldn't finish the hours because of the corruption and then the corruption like discounting the hours um, and then just the lack of people being willing to take on interns. I just saw this kind of cool kids club where there's only a few therapists, despite mental health being a real crisis in our society right now, this club where only there's a select few of therapists in the city and not all of them are necessarily compatible with every single person. And then no one can get through to become a therapist because none of them want to intern. None of them want to take on interns. So they're just like, no, no, no. So you do all this year of all these years of schooling, but then when it comes time to build a career out of what you've just done, what you've just put yourself through, you can't because no one's letting you get through. Hmm. Okay. So all of this is like one of the reasons, and, and I said this to you before we actually hit record, um, is that I see like the work you're doing as the future because, okay. So fast forwarding to, or not fast forwarding, rewinding, <laughs> we're going back to my own, you know, youth and childhood. Um, for anyone listening, you likely know my story, you know, came from childhood of, I, I, had severe depression at the age of like 10, 11. That's when it started for me. I was suicidal by 16. Um, it was very, very dark, very, very intense. I was blessed enough to be who I am that when it got to the point where I knew I wanted to leave this world, that scared me enough to go to my dad and say, Hey, um, I'm not okay. I need help. But previous to that, when I was probably 13, 14, um, you know, I was self-harming at that time. I was doing all sorts of things that were not great. And, you know, my mom tried to help, but her way of trying to help was taking me to this horrible therapist. I'm like 13, 14 years old. My mom comes in the room with me and this therapist basically just like berated me being like, so why are you self-harming? And I was like, that that's how we start this conversation. And she just basically was like, so why? So why? So why? And I was like, I'm not giving you shit. Like, you know, you know, me as a person, I was like, walls went up. I got completely detached. And I was like, I'm not giving you anything. And that is like the brokenness that I experienced firsthand in the system and what I thought therapy was. Then when I was 16, my dad, I asked him to take me to take, take me for help essentially. And he, um, actually just 
I think the stars aligned angel from heaven. My dad took me to the therapist and when he would drive away for an hour and wait for me and he would put me in and I managed to get this amazing therapist and she just let me cry. Basically, I think the first like three months I just cried. That's all she could let me do was just cry and cry and cry. But then basically, I I remember after those months of crying, it was basically like, so what do you want to do? Right? Like she wasn't like just asking open-ended questions. She was like, well, what do you want to do? What's your choice here? What do you want? And I was like, as a 16 year old, I'm like, what do I want? (laughs) Right? So it's almost like what you were saying is like, you started to give some guidance. So I think like the therapy we see on TV even, right? When it's just like, so how do you feel about that? Exactly. That's exactly. not helpful. No. It's it's a start. Yes. Yes. I think it helps with emoting, like in that beginning and to build the rapport and the relationship. Yeah. Diving what- into yourself, like, okay, maybe I haven't met myself yet. Yeah. But even then, therapists aren't often inviting you to meet yourself. Yeah. So, okay. So I love this because I definitely like think that what you're doing is the future you're shifting it out of the out of the psychiatrist's room you know out of I agree completely the space of it's just going to be a conversation how many people are just in therapy forever which I 100% agree you might want to do therapy forever because it's so powerful when you do it this way you know it's so life-changing get your life coach or your healer or your guide and it's so potent that you keep changing and you're like I'm in it but the idea that you're just literally going to talk forever and never change. Exactly. That's wild. And that's where you come in, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Cause what I actually found was that I felt sort of like a victim to my mental health. Like I had depression at 18 and then all of my twenties was battling with this recurring depression. And, and the only thing that I was able to get for help was you know, my doctor literally said to me, I don't have any therapist I would recommend you to in the city. And I know he's not being difficult, like because of my internship experiences, I know he's right. There aren't a lot of options. And so it was just, here's more medication. And then let's turn up the medication and then let's turn up the medication. And it never occurred to me that there could be a root cause behind this depression until very recently, about a year ago, where I realized I'm going to take my healing into my own hands and start listening to what my body is telling me because maybe the depression is more than just a genetic predisposition. And of course, with everything I've learned, I know there's more to it than just that something else is going on here. And so what I learned was that healing is so much more powerful when you give sovereignty and empowerment within reason, of course, to the client and empower them to be able to listen to their bodies and understand that the way they're feeling has a root cause. It's not just your serotonin isn't functioning the way it should, or, you know, that your brain isn't functioning. And I think, (laughs) and I think with that script, you end up feeling like you're broken and like Mm -hmm. you're the problem. And really what, what is the problem is usually the environment and the things that you've been through and our brain can only process so much in the moment. And especially depending on where we are at in our development, when these traumatic things happen to us or these emotionally challenging things happen, we have a limit to what we can process before the age of 25, because our brain is still developing structurally. Yeah. So, and that was the thing for me is so much of what caused my treatment resistant depression happened before the age of 25, before the age of 18, even my first trauma happened at age three. So these are all things that the the body can't really process in the moment and has to sort of store for later. And this does come with a certain um, cost, you know, like it's great that it stores it for later. So you can process it later, but when that happens, you begin to, you, you feel it surfacing. And very often that this can result in depression because you're realizing that the life that you're living now isn't really including your full self because the full self is still stuck in the past a little bit, or maybe even a lot depending. And that was never something that therapy helped me to realize. That was something I just realized myself using my education and my intuition combined. And I I just sat with myself and realized, okay, I can't wait for a therapist to come save me. I can't find one. I've tried like one that, that really can, can meet me where I'm at. So, and medication is not working. That's why it's treatment resistant. Like it, it, the more he increases my meds, my doctor, the more, you know, I get relief for maybe six months tops and then I'm right back to square one. And sometimes my depression literally 
in the past has removed my ability to move my body. Like I've, I've been, guess you could say immobile for days on end before. And it's not like, oh, I'm so depressed. I can't move my arms. It's I'm fighting to move my arms and they're not responding to my brain's commands. Like it is full collapse. And so when something like that happens, you know, you can't just be like, oh, okay, this is my life now. And yet that was basically what I was being told by my doctor is like, just keep taking your meds and just have social support. And do you do yoga? And I was like, okay, this is not enough. This is, this is not enough. Of course I do yoga. Of course I have social support. It's, this is deeper than that. And so I realized what if I tried to help myself intuitively? And that's actually how I developed my Rose method. It wasn't even for my clients originally, it was for me. And it's the method I use to help my clients to heal at the root cause of their mental illness or their emotional stress or their blocks or whatever is surfacing for them. And it's a combination of like, it's somatic in nature. So you Mm. feeling what you're feeling and then you're with your mind, almost like if this feeling was had roots behind it, you're tracing those roots back to the core memory associated with it and looking at what those patterns are. And then it hit me that I had all of these different traumas from my upbringing that I thought were just normal. And it wasn't until like, to like feel my body go back there and like feel the way that these memories impacted my body that I realized there was an entire person who went through these things who did not get acknowledged because I thought that these were things that I deserved to have happen to me that they were normal and that all I had to do was get through it but I, I swear every time we just push ourselves through difficult things to just get through it we lose a part of ourselves in that experience and we can reclaim it it's not over. But these are the kinds of things I found that mental health therapy just did not understand. It was very surface level. Like it, it almost seemed like therapy was, was more focused on, okay, track your thoughts every day, be aware of your thoughts as if that's enough, but our deepest traumas and emotional challenges live in ourselves and they run much deeper than just our thoughts, our thought patterns. I don't know, sometimes cognitive behavioral psychology, I'm not against it. I, it is incorporated into my Rose method, but on its own, it sometimes feels like trying to cover up problems with affirmations, like kind of similar to affirmations where you're like, I'll think differently. I'll just think differently, but our nervous system isn't just thoughts. So, and the thoughts are the thoughts that we experience are created by our feelings, by our somatics. So if we don't address both layers, it, it does kind of feel like you're, you're not really like you're doing the work, but you're not really changing in, in the deep ways that count changing in the way that you behave, changing in the things that you crave changing it. You know, like that to me is where I measure my mental health progress is, am I still going toward things that are unhealthy for me? Am I still craving the things I'm addicted to? And what I have noticed is after the last year of being very committed to healing this past trauma that I've discovered within myself a lot of my cravings are diminishing and some of them even gone. So you really do create emotional freedom and there is a way to heal. I just feel like traditional therapy wasn't quite hitting that mark. Mm-hmm. I fully, fully agree wholeheartedly with, with everything you said there, right? Like um, they put me on antidepressants when I was like 17, I think. And they were like, oh, you're just genetically predisposed. You know, your mother's depressed that's a whole bunch of bullshit. And like, I can literally look at natal charts and know why you're fucked up. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I do for a living. Like the minute I open a chart, I know you've had childhood trauma. I know you've had sexual trauma. I I know all of these things. Um, and it's not because you're genetically predisposed, maybe because, you know, you watched your mother be depressed you know, that seems like a more natural way to be because that's what, you know, but I just remember being like, this is a whole bunch of bullshit. And it was actually MDMA that started the healing of my depression when I was 20, 21, 20 turning. It was like the year of turning 21, that I did MDMA. And I remember that point in my life being like, I remember feeling like I'm feeling on MDMA when I wasn't on MDMA. And that was the portal for me to say, it is possible for this to heal. Yeah. Right. It was amazing. So I had to go off my antidepressants to do MDMA because it, it shuts down your serotonin receptors. Right. Yeah. 
So yeah. I couldn't do MDMA being on my, and that's the only reason I went off my antidepressants. And I was a zombie on them. I had no emotions. I stopped writing. I stopped singing. I stopped feeling. I was like, I was dead. I was a dead person. Um, and similar, my mom was on antidepressants. She was gone basically from the age of 12 to 20. Like she didn't exist. She was just basically floating around like a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, you're just, I, I find that with mine too. I've been on them for 13 years. I've tried to come off of them a few times now, and I'm currently in the middle of, of titrating again. And that's the other thing. They're very hard to come off of, um, yeah. especially the longer yeah. you're on them for. And that, that has been upsetting for me, like to find how, how codependent my body's become on it. And I know that you'll hear a lot of people say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Would you shame somebody with diabetes for being codependent on insulin? but you're not taking serotonin. It's very different. You're yeah. not taking serotonin. You're taking a, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which is not a direct link to what you're trying to solve. No. So it's symptom management, which isn't the same thing as when a diabetic is taking insulin, which is actually, actually like insulin. you're, you're putting something in your body that your body is no longer able to produce in the same way. So whenever I hear that comparison, I'm like, and not that there's shame in being on antidepressants, because I do think symptom management is important, but they are truly, and I, this is what we learned in school too, like they are truly meant for short-term use. Mm, yeah. They're not supposed to be prescribed for the rest of your life. Forever. And if they are, we need to be asking, what is the root cause? And I love this because like in my work, it's mind, body, soul. It's the question of what's going on physically. Okay. If you're super depressed and you've done all the spiritual work, you've changed everything, you've changed your diet, what is going on? physically. And like, do we have parasites going on? Do we have pathogens going on? Do we have mold? Like what's going on at that level? Then spiritually, it's like, are you, do you have a connection to a higher, like a higher self or to yourself in general? Do you like your intuitive work? Do you have a connection to your intuition? Do you even like, are you even here? Yeah. Right. Are you interconnected? And then like physically, I ask my questions all the time and feel free to like have your own opinion on this as always. But I am very against identifying with mental health terms in the sense of saying, I have depression. Mine is I experience depression. I am experiencing because you are not depression. You are not anxiety. They're all curable things. So for me, I try to get all my clients to flip to, I am experiencing a mental health thing. It's not you, right? You're the person experiencing it. I think that's a really important distinction to make because as someone who's, who has a treatment resistant mental illness and has been on this journey for 13 years, sometimes I do lose that line. Sometimes I do feel like, oh, this is me now. This is a part of me. And because it happens in your psyche, it's really easy to go there because oh, yeah. like we experience our psyche as ourselves. Mm -hmm. and so it's hard to like really have that, that line there. And even with everything I know about depression, it's still hard for me not to be like, oh, this is, this is me now. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely like, absolutely right. These are all treatable. And, and the thing is with being told, like, you're going to be on this medication for the rest of your life, which is how I was prescribed my medication, um, is you do believe that this is now you, and it is a part of you. And what I found is that since addressing the root cause of mine, I'm not really, I, I was actually just saying this to, to my husband, Steve, um, just a few days ago, I was like, I'm not having symptoms of depression. I still have some rage from the PTSD, but even that those rage attacks are way less intense and happening less frequently. And I, I'm not having symptoms of depression. So it, it does go to show that like, this doesn't have to be who you are now. It doesn't have to be forever. And like, I guess I was kind of essentially being told that this is a chronic situation for me. And it is interesting when you, when you start to look at it a little bit deeper, I'm learning, maybe this doesn't have to be a chronic situation for me. Maybe this could be something that I overcome. How magical is that? Right. Like I'm such a big proponent of being able to look at these things because I have healed it. I've healed, you know, severe depression, suicidal thoughts. I've healed, um, like intense panic attacks for years. I developed those around 24, 25, um, healed those as well. Okay. That's how I found yoga was literally because I was having such bad panic attacks. I, I wasn't leaving the house. I was becoming like agoraphobic because 
um, being in rooms of people talking. So I was bartending and serving at the time and the sound of everyone talking and shouting and music. Like I literally was crippled. Um, and again, because I had healed my depression, I was like, fuck this. I am the master of my reality. And what are we going to do? It took a long time. I will say like, it took me probably, probably three or four years to really like heal that part of me. Um, but again, it's like that, but if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be here right now doing what I'm doing. Exactly. Oh, exactly. It's funny how these things can actually be catalysts for growth. Not that you can't grow without them, but you know, when this is, unfortunately we do live in a society that is quite dark in a time that is quite dark. I know everyone likes to talk about how we've progressed and we have, but got a long way to go. I know. <laughs> I feel the same way on that one too. Like, I rolled my eyes guys for those of you listening. <laughs> and like, same. Like sometimes I really genuinely question if we've progressed or if we've just, if, if all the same problems still exist, but they've changed form and they look a little bit prettier, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, for sure. I sometimes think that about like serfdom. Um, I have these weird thoughts that everyone will appreciate where I'm like, we're still the serfs and slaves doing the surf work, the slave work, uh, paying our taxes to the Lords. And, you know, they just, they made us more comfortable so that we wouldn't revolt as, as intensely. It honestly, that's where all evidence seems to be. (laughs) These are my like average day thoughts, guys. Life, life yeah. in uh, an Aquarius North Node. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it though. It's yeah, literally my brain too from day to day because it's it's hard to ignore it. Like you look around and you're like, like even when I'm reading like about the history of like serfdom and like times where where there were peasants. I was just reading a book recently on the history of like the Tudor dynasty and how uh, every people were living back then, and I was like, this is not that different from how. <laughs> are living today. I mean, there were some key differences, but they weren't that numerous, honestly. No, no. Like it's fascinating when you really think about it. So yeah. And it's interesting too, because there comes up so many questions of like our mental health is like mental health stuff is rising. Now we have to note, um, because we met through you doing the same astrological study with Daphna as me, right? Like that's how we first like found each other or how I knew your name, um, was with astrology. So like knowing that we, we are in that fun Scorpio Pluto generation where it's all about psychology, right? That's there gets no surprise that we're so highly focused on this work. That actually makes so much sense. Cause I remember when psychology started to come into my world when I was in university, cause I didn't originally go for psychology. I was in for English literature and I, I was not feeling aligned with that. And then I took my first psych class. And at this point I did have my diagnosis of major depression. And I was like, something bigger than me is happening right now. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to follow psychology and that will show me to where my path is. But I I didn't know what that would look like, but it did feel like it was this, this bigger than me thing happening. And Mm. yeah, here we are. And it it is kind of what I imagined happening. I imagined in about 10 years, like when I looked into the future a little bit, I, I just imagined it being that we would see a huge rise in mental illness. At the time when I was diagnosed, so many people were like, what? Like it was a novelty. Like they were like so many of my peers, my own age, and even same thing age, were like, what? Yeah. I had this like mystical illness. And I remember thinking, oh no, you will all have it too. You probably already do. You just don't know. So you're not experiencing symptoms, hmm. but it will, it will happen to you too. Cause for me, it just kind of, it kind of came on. I was just living my life. And then all of a sudden I was like, why am I numb? Hmm. Why can't I feel love? Why don't I feel passion? Where did my joy go? And I knew that this would happen to other people too. Like if it yeah. could happen to me, why not? And when it, when it did start happening, you know, it, it makes me really sad, but I, I also see where anything that we're experiencing in our psyche is a reflection of our world, the, ref, yep, you know, the reflection exactly. of our that we're growing in and living in. And for women specifically, where I really focus, I think a lot of it has to do because we are disproportionately impacted by depression. And of course there's past trauma, but with depression, I also see, and this was definitely the case for me where we have so much strength within us and so much intellectual power and we know we're capable of doing anything and yet something outside of us is constantly oppressing us and and pushing us down and the more that we climb the more the bar climbs and it's like this game of trying to chase something that is never going to be within your reach and 
I think there is genuinely at the root of all women's mental health, besides trauma, the other root that I see consistently is the depression that comes with unrealized potential. This mm-hmm. feeling of knowing you could do something so much more than what you're expected to do. And then this feeling of shame for trying to break out of that mold, this feeling of guilt and remorse for being like, okay, um, thanks society, but I'm going to try something <laughs> new. I'm going to try something that hasn't been done before and I'm going to take risks and I'm going to, you know, maybe not have children, maybe not have the traditional life and instead focus on building something new. It, you know, I, I really see that conflict of wanting to be what you're supposed to be, but also at the same time, wanting so much more and not being able to actualize that as really being at the core of why so many of us are depressed and apathetic toward our lives. Oh, I full heartedly agree. And I can uh, fully say that 99% of my clients is the same situation. Like half of my readings, it's we're getting our people or just readings, sessions, one-to-ones, mentorships. We are essentially breaking their personal matrix of like what they've been taught to believe, right? The box that they've been put in um, and put themselves in because of societal expectations. We go in there and we look at all the trauma and we look at all the reasons why they are keeping themselves in that box. And essentially everyone who works with me is getting out of that box, right? But then I witness everyone around me that's not working with me and not willing to do that work um, in their limitations, right? Function. And I was, God, I operated in those limitations for so long until, you know, I was able to look at all these things and be like, I don't think so. I mean, I've been breaking the matrix since I was born because that's just my signature. I'm here to, I'm I'm here to go first, right? Like, um, but thank God that like, there are people like you, me, you know, we're going first so that we can help other people, you know, liberate themselves from that, the bullshit. <laughs> and when you speak, I have your chart open. Cause, um, cause we did a reading, right? Like, like, what was that? Six months ago, maybe Think about it like every day. I'm not even kidding. I'm yeah. so glad because your signature is so like, it's so potent, right? You have all this stuff in your 12th house in cancer. And like that mix is you, when you're saying like, you knew you were supposed to do psychological collective work, like the 12th house is the mind, right. It is where we get this like psychological, not the mind in a mercury way, the mind in a collective conscious, um, it's where we put all our dirty laundry, right. And you doing this intuitive women's work. Like I remember tapping into that, just being like, of course you're doing this. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you say that too, because my favorite psychology to use is archetype psychology. Like God, I love it. Everything in archetypes. Yeah. And I know, like from what you're saying about the 12th house and like, I know Pisces is a relatively strong energy on my chart. It like, yep. is- you got your Pisces moon, you got your big old 12th house. Absolutely. Busy um, with really key things. I think my Chiron's hanging out in there. Your Chiron's in there. Your your uh, North Node's in there. Your South Node's in there. Your South Node's in there. Yeah, you've got key things in your 12th. Yeah. Um, I think this is why, just like you, I can really relate to that feeling of challenging the status quo from a young age. Like I remember very often teachers being frustrated because I wasn't following. And even like when I was three, my main trauma was because I said no to an adult man who wanted to do something to me against my will. And I was three and I stood my ground already. So there's always been this, no, you won't No, you won't. And I think the reason why I have been able to resist falling for the the matrix, so to speak, or, you know, falling for the status quo Mm -hmm. is because of the fact that I think in archetypes, like I don't think in logic. I do like we all have logic, but (laughs) my dominant way of thinking is archetypes. When Mm -hmm. I'm listening to people, I'm hearing subtext. When I'm looking at the world, I'm looking at metaphors and recurring imagery. Like I, I really see my reality. And I've been like this since a kid, since I was a kid, I see it as like really just a few limited patterns repeating themselves in different forms throughout. And that's been my cheat code through life and why I've been comfortable breaking from the security of the status quo, because I can see what it is because I'm not looking at it at face value. So I think a hundred percent and it's, it's so your 12th house and your moon, right? Like Pisces season symbols, Pisces doesn't um, operate in 
our reality in the way that we expect. Okay. So like your mercury is in cancer. So, um, your mind is always moving, always in flux, always changing. And then we add in the layer of it being in the 12th house. It's like, yeah, you're, you don't think in, um, a logical order, like a Virgo. Okay. My mercury is in Virgo, it's in retrograde, but if we leave that behind for a minute, you know, a a Virgo Mercury is going to be very logical, very orderly, very this, this way or the highway, right? Whereas yours 12th house cancer, all this water, like water mind is like, no, it's imagery. It's, um, subtext, like you said, right? Like seeing what is the fourth, fourth house or cancer it's under the water. It's under the ground. It's you're seeing subtext. So I love that because it's, it's literally your signature. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so, it's so amazing actually how our charts represent like truly our experiences. And that's what I loved so much about my reading with you back in July was how deep it went and how specific it was to things that I went through. Like it wasn't just like vague themes. It was like, Oh, you've been through like a lot of childhood trauma, particularly with caregivers, like people who are supposed to be protecting you. And I was like, how the heck did you put that on my chart? <laughs> and then because I do understand astrology, not quite as well as you do. Um, but enough, I could see it too, when you were like pointing it out and I'm like, Oh my God, it really is there like it's yeah right and we can we can see it or we can not you know a, a light-hearted reader would look at your your fourth house pluto and see a completely different story than me or they might not even gaze there right um whereas the minute i open that up i'm like tell me about your childhood yeah. <laughs> exactly and your moon being in your eighth house i'm instantly like tell me about your relationships, tell me about your childhood, tell me about your mom. Like there's so much stuff that we can see. So I think like you have all the tools in your tool belt to actually invoke change. I've had so many of my clients say that my sessions are better than any therapy session they've ever been in because I see them, right? Just like you are looking at them. They're not a number on a computer screen of how many clients you see today. They're not, you know, looking, you're not, I mean, it'd be really nice, but you're not looking to buy a a Benz because, you know, you got that many clients. Like, I really just feel like the therapy world is you can make great money doing it, right? You can charge $700 an hour. Um, and then there's no heart in it, but like sessions with you sessions with me, we are seeing the person's soul signature. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like that was, that was the disconnect I felt in my therapy internship was I wanted to connect with them on a soul level. And that's just not what you do. Like I was, I was was being too like heart to heart, you know, Mm. and I was not trauma bonding or anything weird. Like I was just very, like, it's just my style. Like I, I, I think what makes us unique is that we have lived the thing we're healing. We didn't just study it in school to make some money. It's not something we did because it would give us social status. It was something we did because it really, we lived it and we know it, you know, so there's this passion that you just can't fake. And something I'll hear a lot is how can you work with mental health if you have a mental illness? And I'm like, that's That's exactly why. Yeah. That's exactly why intuitive because my intuition is, is primed for understanding how this goes. Whereas someone who's never lived it, you can't understand it other than intellectually because your, your body's never experienced it. So your body's not going to understand it. And I think that that's where people feel seen and heard is when the therapist or the counselor or the coach healer, when they're able to feel nervous system to nervous system, that there is, you know, we're meeting each other on the same wavelength. There's no hierarchy here. It's, it's no, then we're coming together to build healing together. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's the reason when you mentioned the Ben's thing, that's even the reason why I do business coaching with my business coaching packages. Like it's not even just about like, let's get your sales up because money and luxury lifestyle, although those things are great and fun. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Like the focus for me is let's prove to your nervous system that you can do what you say you're going to do. Oh, yes. Let's follow through on those intuitive ideas and show to yourself that you are not limited because you are a woman. You are not what society has told you. You are, you can go beyond that. And like, you're not your trauma. You're not your 
like you're not the version of you that has been stuck on the couch before. That was an experience of you. And we can mourn her, love her, accept her, bring she can she can go along for the ride. She wants to get in the backseat. But you know, yeah, you're not her. Yeah. Experience. So yeah, I love that so friggin' much. So much. Yeah. Yeah. I I really do feel that when we feel like we can actualize and when we feel like we can take charge of our own destiny, that's going to do that plus trauma healing, which are really the two layers of my work, trauma healing and business coaching. That's, I feel like that's where we overcome the glass ceiling. And that's where we go to the places where women have not gone yet in our modern society. Yeah. Okay. And I love this because like, I can wholeheartedly say I would not be at the level I'm at in my business right now. If I didn't do my trauma work, if I wasn't working with my trauma constantly and working through like just even just my money trauma, right? Like my fear around money that like, I have a girl for that, you know? And, um, when I work through that, it gets me to new layers because, you know, yeah, I cry and I scream and I go through these moments where I'm like, I don't want to look at it and I don't want to deal with it, but then I move through it and then I become the next level of myself. So like, that's what you get to do. So tell us before, you know, we fully hop off here, tell us, how people can work with you. Like, cause it's, it's business, it's like psychology, it's all the things and in one to get people to their next layer. So like, what, what does that look like with you? Yeah. So I have sort of three tiers of hourly sessions. And then I also have a business coaching package that I'm currently I'm relaunching on December 1st, but I have mental clarity sessions. These are my sort of spiritually infused talk therapy type of help for anxiety, depression, moderate trauma. And what we do in these sessions is I developed my own methodology called the mental clarity methodology. And we look at the patterns that you are experiencing within your relationships and look at those dynamics, because that can teach us a lot about you and how your nervous system is calibrated. And then I we work together to shift that calibration because the work I do with intuition isn't just spiritual intuition. It's also the way that our bodies are conditioned and how that plays into our intuition. Cause very often if we have unaddressed anxiety or depression or trauma, we can follow our intuition and end up actually defeating ourselves because of those patterns, like those mm-hmm. trying to draw attention to something within us, not necessarily trying to help us to grow just yet because the mental health needs to be addressed first yeah. before your nervous system is going to be looking at the dreams and the, the upward potential. So we address those patterns and we don't just work with it with the mind. We do start there, but we also bring it into the body and where are you feeling this pattern? And when this trigger happens, where do you feel it? And what kind of tools can we use to shift that pattern? What habits can we do instead so that when you are intuitively feeling drawn to repeat the same cycle, you instead are able to break that cycle and create a new pattern from your habits so that your intuition is now working toward growth and not necessarily toward, um, toward keeping you in the same, the same reality. Mm, I love that soul gazing sessions, which is where I use my rose method. And that's my signature methodology for getting at the root cause. And so very often I like to pair, like recommend that these two are paired together. Very often when clients come to me with the rose method, we'll do the root cause, um, using that methodology. And then they'll do a mental clarity session, either like between one or five to like work through what we discovered. And, um, that's for the mental health side. And then the business side, I have hourly business coaching sessions and a business coaching package called lucid. And those two options really focus on, you know, how does your intuition speak to you in your body and what patterns does it follow? And how can we draw out some of these ideas that you're having, these instincts you're having of what you want to create and turn it into a business, turn it into a strategy. And we build that strategy together. I'm not here to be like, you're going to do a funnel and you're going to do, then you're going to do this. Like, I don't spell it out. I'm more like, let's co-create together. Like, what do you doing? What would you enjoy? Like, how would you enjoy to share this work? How do you speak? How does your voice work? And let's turn this into a plan. What platform are we using? What, you know, what does this look like from a tangible perspective so that you have a brand and a business that allows you to claim your own destiny for yourself and, you know, turn your most inspired intuitive ideas into something practical. Mm. I love all that so much. And like, particularly taking, you know, all the healing and then bringing it into your business is really cool because there was something you said at one point around, like 
following through with what you want to do. It's such a, such a, a hard thing to actually claim for yourself, you know, Um, so I've really been stepping up in the last year, I would say, but more so in the last few months and the other week I was pulling cards and did I not pull a card that was like, you're all talk and no action. And I was like, wow. So I have a very close friend. Um, most of you probably follow her Charlene Lizette. She's a beautiful tarot reader. And I reached out to her and I was like, did my cards just call me the fuck out right now? Are you kidding me? You're all talk and no action. I was like, damn yeah so I stepped up but like you know what I mean you're the the real life version of calling us out on that I'm like the card (laughs) you're the card there's honestly like real psychological reasons why we're able to talk about it but not do it and like that's where I bring in the psychology is it's totally legitimate to feel that way and because of past traumas um, and like you said, you, you do the work on, on your trauma constantly. And I have to do the same because very often that's why, like mm-hmm. have all these, these visions of what we want to do, but it is our past traumas that tell us that's dangerous. Like if I go outside of my comfort zone and I try that thing, even though logically it's not technically, it might have some inherent risk to it. Our nervous system is going to blow that up and see that as like, no, that's us falling off a cliff. That's yep. like death. Yep. We can't do that. <laughs> So that's why, yeah, that's why psychology is such a big part of my business coaching, because it's not enough to just be like, just, just do it. Like, just, no, no. there's something physiologically, psychology, maybe even spiritually, emotionally, um, in not in the way I don't, I don't want to say in the way, but that needs to be processed and healed in order for the next steps to be taken. So I love that you're doing that because it helps us get out of our own way, but also heal. Yeah. I think honestly, for me, it's, it's growth. Like when we see mm. when we say growth, I think a lot of us and myself included until recently, I was like, what does that mean? Like, mm. how do we grow? and I, I feel like my offers step-by-step, step, depending on where each person is guide that growth process. So that really it's, it's not even about me telling you what to do. It's really me facilitating the growth process and breaking it into chunks so that you can do what you're really, we're all made to do it. We're all made to grow. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, um, where I come in is just breaking that down into something that you could, that can be implemented. That could be. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I love it so much. Okay. Oh my goodness. So we're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up today. If you guys want to reach out to Quinn, I'm going to link all of her information, but you now know essentially what she's offering. Um, and it's really cool that, you know, you could start with like a one-to-one session, see how it goes and then go deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. So Quinn, thank you so much for sharing this with everyone today. I feel like so many people are going to find, you know, a little bit of permission to actually own what they experience. You know, it's such a taboo to- topic still. It is. I know. So I thank you for doing the work. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you so much for, um, for inviting me on to, to speak today. Yeah. Thank you. And before we hop off right away, will you uh, just share with us where everyone can find you? So like your Instagram, your website, share that for us. Yeah. So my website is quindowney.com and my Instagram is live your intuition with underscores between each word. So live underscore your underscore intuition. And um, I'm on Facebook under Quinn Downey. Perfect. And so I'll link all of that for you guys too. But if you don't look at the show notes, then you just heard it. Thank you again, Quinn. This was such a juicy, good conversation. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you.